Hi, and welcome to Parker Sports Psychology Podcast. And this episode is in discussion of the ACS 90, the Action Controlled Scale, as well as ACS I 28, the Athletic Coping Skills Inventory. First, I want to talk about the ACS 90. I was first introduced to that survey during grad school, and you know, one of my favorite questionnaire survey assessments out of all surveys that that do exist out there, just because so much of it responds to an individual's behavior. And you can really see one's behavioral response, you know, through this type of assessment um, and where they are. So, you know, it's one of those things, there's a lot of unknown still, you know, very similar to ACS, uh, ACSI 28, you know, those skills um, vary just off of a small assessment. You, know, you can have, depending on like their situation and circumstances, don't always apply when it comes to someone's uh, action state orientation. It's a very different perspective. And I've seen that to be more realistic of someone's personality, their current state, their current mood, um, and their current behaviors. So, you know, again, first want to dive into the ACS 90, you know, survey and, when it looks like for action state orientation, individuals usually fall on some form of a continuum, but they describe that characteristic as helpful to contrast those individuals who are more action oriented versus those who are more state oriented. Okay, so think of that continuum and one side of that continuum being more action, you know, action oriented, while the other is more state oriented. Now, individuals with a strong action orientation are able to devote their cognitive resources to the task at hand, thus enabling you to exponentially move you know, from a present goal state to some desired future goal state. That's very important to remember. That's essentially what we're going to be evaluating out of the three areas is having a strong action state, you know, a strong action orientation. So all of this in each area is scoring high. In that with that within that area, that means that we're looking at a strong action orientation and how you are devoting you know your cognitive resources to that task at hand in that area. Now, if you are one uh, an individual in that, then you're going to be flexibly allocating your attention for the purpose of that task execution and goal attainment. You know, if you are one more action oriented, you know it's characterized by enhanced performance efficiency and the ability to complete tasks after minor failures or setbacks. And that's what I love about this assessment is that itself, if, if you're showing high on these, you know, are you adaptable? Are you one that is resilient and to you know, go against adversity, those small minor failures, you know, can, are you having one with, you know, ruminative thoughts, alternative goals or effective states? And by having those, that's going to reduce your cognitive resources to then lead to goal striving. And so if you're not on that action-oriented you know, continuum, if you're on the lower end of that, then your cognitive resources are going to be diminished and you're going to be focusing on rumination, you know, what was not done, what happened, the issue at hand, those types of things. Now, this reduction of available resources impairs our state orientation you know, and our ability to initiate activities and to follow through those tasks to full completion, especially when those act activities are difficult or if they're not routine or even both. In addition, these general notion of action state orientation 
further suggests that there are three separate aspects or dimensions that can be distinguished, which is preoccupation, hesitation, and volality. So the first dimension, preoccupation dimension, or in this title, AOF, now this dimension with opposing poles of preoccupation versus disengagement. Now, these separate poles will indicate the degree which individuals explicitly process information related to some past, present, or future state. The action-oriented pole of this dimension, which would be disengagement, refers to the ability to detach from one's thoughts about these alternative goals or undesirable events that may interfere with the progress or the task at hand. So in contrast, the state-oriented pole is associated with impaired effectiveness due to the preservation of thoughts related to some unpleasant experience, maybe real or even simulated, often involving failure. Now the hesitation dimension or AOD, now this dimension has opposing poles of hesitation versus initiative, which refers to the degree to which individuals have difficulty initiated intended goal directed activities. The action oriented individual on this dimension being the initiative pole are able to easily initiate work on tasks. Although both the hesitation and the preoccupation dimensions are very similar in the focus on the ability to move forward with the task and to escape from state-oriented processing when necessary, they have different bases, they have different foundations. Specifically, the preoccupation dimension is concerned looking more whether your distracting thoughts interfere with the initiating action, whereas hesitation dimension emphasizes the behavioral capacity to initiate action. Now the volatility dimension or AOP, now this dimension with opposing poles of volatility versus persistence is concerned with the ability to stay in the action oriented mode when necessary. It refers to the degree to which individuals become distracted when working on an interesting or necessary task. More action oriented individuals being the persistent pole are able to effectively maintain focus on an intention until the task is complete. Whereas more state-oriented individuals are easily pulled off a task, distracted, which would impair their overall performance. The state-oriented processing associated with volatility dimension may be due to an overactivity of the action initiation system being inappropriately initiating a new task. Rather than the underactivity of the system seen in the state-oriented poles like preoccupation and the hesitation dimension. Now, the three action orientation dimensions relate to different facets of what is goal striving process. The overall goal striving being these three items together. May that task be, you know, quite large, small, many different tasks at hand. At the end of the day, you can relate to this to, you know, as an academic, as a student, the basic paper assignment to, you know, any type of student athlete, athlete trying to reach a specific goal, you know, accomplishment. Now, the action-oriented individuals flexibly disengage from the irrelevant concerns, being preoccupation. They effectively initiate the required actions, hesitation, and stay focused until the tasks are complete, which is volatility. By combining those three together and having you know, higher numbers on the scale through each subscale, we'll actually show those three orientation tasks working together. So if scoring high in all three areas, then that's gonna be one that you will be you know, seeing the different foundations through each one. Now on for the ACSI 28 scoring. This was a pretty simple questionnaire, a coping skills inventory to measure 
you know, as a, an athlete, psychological skills. This was developed by Smith in 1994. And we were looking at the specific subscales and the questions associated with those. So when you look at a total score and the sum of all the subscales, the scores can range between a low of zero to a high of 12 on each subscale with higher scores indicating greater strength on that subscale. Now the score for the total scale ranges from a low of zero and to a high of 84 with higher scores signifying greater strength. So out of this of the subscales, there were seven subscales total. Uh, the first one we dive into is coping with adversity. And this subscale assesses if an athlete remains positive and enthusiastic, even when things are going badly, remains calm and controlled, quickly bounce back from mistakes and setbacks. And that idea, you know, getting back on the horse, getting back on the bike, you know, um, again, coping with adversity, that's that type of subscale that we're looking at there. Coachability is the second subscale, and this is looking to assess if an athlete is open to and learns from instruction and accepts constructive criticism without taking it personally and become upset. Now, this coachability is not just an authoritarian role as a coach. This is also a personality type, one that will listen to a team captain, you know, assistant coaches, parents, um, that type of mindset, one that they view in that authority role to be coached by. So it is more of a frame of mind, uh, you know, a mindset, you know, of the athlete and how willing and open are they to learn and be instructed. Um, and most importantly, accepts that constructive criticism, constructive feedback um, without taking it personal. The third subscale is actually concentration. This subscale reflects whether an athlete becomes easily distracted and is able to focus on the task at hand in both practice and game situations. So even when there are adverse or unexpected situations that occur, either in practice or games, it's a concentrated effect. And what I love about this specific subscale is it's not environmentally based. It's across the board. Are you able to concentrate and focus you know, at the highest regard and no matter what level? So are you checking your emotions and all your tasks, you know, at the door going to practice? And are you doing that in a game? And if you're able to concentrate at practice and you're able to concentrate, you know, at a performing level. The fourth subscale is confidence and achievement motivation. Now, this subscale is to measure if you as an athlete are confident and positively motivated consistently giving 100% during practices and games and works hard to improve his or her skills. Now, of course, one's confidence and one's, you know, motivation being at 100% is such a, um, you know, qualitative and, um, you know, hard number to assess if someone's giving 100% at a consistent rate. Um, but there is a level to it that we can see of motivation in relation to that and giving one best. And so thinking of this subscale, it's one's ability to improve his or her own skills and motivated to accomplish that at the highest regard. The fifth subscale is looking at goal setting and mental preparation. This one subscale is looking to assess whether an athlete sets and works towards specific performance goals, plans, and mentally prepares for games, and clearly has a game plan for performing well. So even though you know I've seen a lot of athletes have very high uh, scores within this subscale, um, but 
you know, strangely enough, not many, um, you know, athletes do very well with goal setting and how to properly do goal setting. And so they might have great goals and are actually prepared mentally for the game or for the competition, but have prepared wrong. And so because they prepared wrong beginning and they have, they do so well with the implementation part, they just were, you know, not aligned properly with what the coach wanted for the goals or the coach preparing them for that mental prep. Um, so it might just be off. Right. And so making sure that as a coach, you are leading your team, all of your athletes through proper goal setting and mental preparation and making sure that everyone's on the right page with that. So that those are, that are very strong in this subscale can implement that properly according to the team plan um, to achieve and accomplish the team success. The sixth subscale is peaking under pressure. And this subscale is looking to measure if an athlete is challenged rather than threatened by pressure situation and performs well under pressure. Personally, this one is my favorite just because it really gives insight into an athlete's perspective of, you know, how they respond is, is that pressure and competition a threat response are they feeling threatened which is going to say hey i'm a victim watch out right and and how their behavior shuts down or is this a challenge and they step up to the occasion and so um, you see that a lot in a lot of bench players um, since they were observing you know the game from the sidelines they were able to see individual behaviors plays and they were able to look at tasks and then come in and shine and do very well because they were able to, you know, make conclusions and uh, behavior changes to contradict or counteract, you know, the opposing team's behavior where those that were in the game, you know, weren't able to see the 30,000 foot level and respond properly. Now the freedom from worry is a good co co-working coexisting subscale with peaking under pressure. But the last subscale freedom from worry is to assess whether an athlete puts pressure on him or herself by worrying about performing poorly or making mistakes worries about what others will think, you know, if he or she performs poorly and scoring high in this, um, this is one of the subscales where we want to see a low score, um, if we see a low score that we'll see that they do have uh, high worry or concern. And then for a lot of the questions, this is all the questions within this somewhat scale, but we're reverse scoring uh, when actually doing it. So you actually see that assessment later on. So those that are in freedom from worry, um, again, of course, this is one that will, as our mind and our cognitive focus should be on the task at hand and behavior. If we're worrying so much about what's around us and, and the environment or the team or the family members that are um, we're worried about what they may think or believe you know with what, how we're performing of course is going to take us off our game and our cognitive efforts being focused on the game itself so the total scores of the acs 90 and the acsi 28 um, are given to you guys and they are a moodle um, if you have any questions about your scores um, do remember that the acs uh, 28, of course, is athlete-based. So for those that scored low on some of these subscales, you know, just remember that we could easily change some of the language to, say, work or school, and you would, you know, 
easily have you know a higher scoring if we change some of the language of can you concentrate in classes um, can you concentrate and do this can you do proper goal setting and mental prep you know for your academic endeavors um, how well do you cope with adversity say after an exam you know do you go back and study you know just as good and strong or do you, you know self-ruminate on those thoughts um, from that so you know, how well are you taught or and just say coachable listening to instruction from your faculty members things like that so for those that did score low on the acs 28 uh, acsi 28 you know, be aware for those that aren't currently um, athletes or in, in an athletic setting that fulfill these, you probably did score low, but this is an easy thing to, in, to grow in on these subscales and engage with and easily relate to a lot of other areas within one's life to see, you know, higher scoring. When it comes to the ACS 90 and that action-oriented state, you know, a lot of the scorings for that again, will be fairly similar, but not so much athlete-based. You can already see a lot of relationships, you know, outside of athletics and sport um, that relate to other aspects of life. So I hope you guys enjoyed those assessments. And again, we'll be diving into some new ones this upcoming week. Hope you guys have a great week and we'll talk to you soon.